Welcome back to Two Keto Dudes. This is Carl Franklin from Connecticut in the United States. I went keto in 2016 to reverse diabetes and lose weight. It's my mission to spread the science of keto and to show the world how cooking is necessary for keto success. Oh, and bacon. <laughs> Hi, I'm Carrie Brown, also from Connecticut. I'm a trained pastry chef who went keto to control and eventually eliminate symptoms from bipolar 2 disorder and depression. Yay! I take no medications, I have no symptoms, and it's my mission to show the world that keto food is not only delicious, but it can be better than any other kind of food. And this show is a document of our experiences thriving for years in ketosis. Reversing diabetes and depression. And hopefully that might help a few people who are curious about this kind of dietary hacking. We're definitely not doctors. We don't give medical advice. Absolutely. We just want to share our experiences and review the research that supports it. Oh, and bacon. And all that good stuff. Yes, bacon. We share our recipes and any science that we find in the show notes. This is a science-based show. Carl brings the body science and I bring the food science. Right. So let's start podcast number 151. Dr. Westman heals everyone. Everyone! Everyone! So, Carl... Do we have any apologies or corrections from last week's show? Richard Morris was listening to the show, and he did have a little bit of a, a difference in the way he would have explained something that I explained. He's got a couple things here. He says, 7% body fat is not a limit for fasting. It's a limit for humans. It's like a four-minute mile. Humans can run that. Most humans can't. Getting below 7% is almost impossible for most humans who don't have an inborn metabolic error. So look at what humans at various ranges look like, and he provides a link, which will provide a link of ranges of humans. He says, the limit to fasting is not body fat percentage, it's how much energy can I drag from storage to defray my daily needs, which comes down to body fat mass, not percentage. Someone with 30 pounds of body fat can liberate 945 kilocalories a day. But someone with 60 pounds of body fat can liberate 1,800 kilocalories per day. So the second guy can fast, the first guy can't without a metabolic rate drop and catabolism of lean tissue to make the 930 kilocalorie shortfall. Right? So it's just a, it's a, it's a subtlety. And, you know, we'd like to simplify things on this show. Generally, people who, uh, Dr. Fung says, people who have 7% or less of body fat, but it's really about how much body fat they have, not their percentage. So grams, not percent. Yeah. And he also said, and this is great because Richard can just not be on the show, but he can be on the show. It's at the same time. It's awesome. <laughs> Big he brother. Said that, yeah. Big brother is listening. Uh, livers don't filter. That's what kidneys do. And I said that, you know, livers filter the blood and he's right. You know, livers, um, do a different function than filter blood, but they also are detoxing your body at the same time. So yes. he says, livers are metabolic factories that detoxify by converting toxic chemicals that can't be easily filtered into urine 
into either non-toxic, useful chemicals or ones that the kidneys can extract and the bladder can expel. So it's a subtle difference. I said that livers detoxify the blood. He's absolutely right. Kidneys do that. And some people's livers don't detoxify. (laughs) That's right. And that's what we were talking about in the context, right? You were talking about how your liver didn't detoxify the things that go into your body, but not necessarily into your blood, right? Right. And uh, errata number uh, three, he says, you don't have to eat fat to increase metabolic rate. And this was something that I said, that if you want to increase your metabolic rate, you eat fat. It's really about lowering insulin. Um, And it it just so happens that when you substitute your protein and carbohydrates for fat, your insulin drops. But it's really about the insulin, not about the fat. So we got a a couple of things. Oh, there was one more thing. Um, I said that lean people are more fit than overweight people. And that's not true. And I'm actually a living example of that. My uh, resting metabolic rate is kind of low, but my mitochondrial efficiency is very high. It's as high as a marathon runner. And I had this tested. So lean people are not necessarily fit. Fitness implies ability to do work. Lean people are metabolically adaptable. And really what I meant instead of lean people is people who are insulin sensitive. And and I should have said that instead of just lean. I think I did, but I may have muddied the waters when I said that. So thank you, Richard Morris. Now look what you've gone and done. I know, really. Now we all want to go and have that test that shows us how metabolically efficient we are. Yeah, mitochondrially efficient. That's it. That's what we want. We all want to go and do that now. And it's all your fault. I know. (laughs) I can't wait until it just comes around on a bus to everybody's hometown. (laughs) But, But for the curious, aka me and probably a bunch of our listeners, what is the test? What, 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 how do you do that? Okay, so the test was done on me anyway at Keto Fest Down Under. And Martin Sebis had a machine that essentially I sat and breathed into at rest for a few minutes. And it measured how much oxygen I was taking in and how much carbon dioxide I was breathing out. And based on that, uh, a whole bunch of things were measured. And one of them was my metabolic rate. Another one was my mitochondrial efficiency. And mitochondrial efficiency means how much energy they're taking in versus how much they're expelling. Wow, that's fascinating. And I really want to do go and have that test now. Yeah. So anyway, that is our errata for our very first show. Thank you, Richard Morris. But uh, uh, before we start, let's explain in plain English what a ketogenic diet is. So a ketogenic diet is any diet that puts you in a state of ketosis where you burn fat for energy rather than glucose. The way we do it is to limit carbohydrates to 20 grams or less every day, enjoy a moderate amount of protein, one to one and a half grams per kilogram of lean body mass. And all our energy comes from fat. 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 That's right. If you're just starting keto, listen to our Starting Keto Show at start.2keto.com. So, Carl, what's new with you? Well, I'm glad you asked. Um, I've been prepping for Keto Mini Fest, which is happening tomorrow. We're recording this on Friday the 11th. And uh, Saturday the 12th, of course, which was a couple days ago, if you're listening to this on Monday when our show comes out. 
So um, I've been doing a 48-hour sous vide chuck roast. And I'm doing it a little bit differently than I do normally. Normally, I've, I've done this at Keto Fest, the, the VIP party, and I'll do it again this year, is I just take garlic, crushed garlic, salt, olive oil, and thyme, and just sort of haphazardly put it in the bag and seal it, and then put it in a sous vide uh, water bath at 133 for 48 hours. But this time, what I decided to do is put all that good stuff in a food processor and whiz it up. So you've got olive oil, you've got garlic, you've got thyme, and not the stems, just the leaves. You've got salt, you've got peppercorns, you've got oregano. And all of that stuff gets blended up, and then I just sort of coat the, the chuck roast. Think of it like a pot roast, right? It's like a four-pound pot roast. I coat that with this green goo. <laughs> it's, it's what it looks like. It just looks like this green slime, right? And then, of course, it goes in. When it comes out, it's going to be dark brown, and I will sear it, and it'll blacken, and it'll be delicious and awesome. Well, I'm super excited to give that a, a, a run on my taste buds tomorrow night. Also, um, you sort of helped me come up with a side dish, which is going to be sort of like spinach artichoke dip, but with some roasted cauliflower in there for, for you know, some something to bite into. And we're going to do a mozzarella top and crumbled, uh, crunchy croutons from Julie at Fox Hill Kitchens. She's she's coming down from Vermont and bringing some croutons. We're going to crush them up and put that on the top. So you'll have your crunch element that us keto people desperately need to find. Yay, crunch. And you're doing a dessert, are you not? Actually, I'm doing two. And... Um, oh. I went and got all the things at the at the store today, and so tomorrow morning I'm going to be busily preparing two different desserts for our meetup guests. So yeah, we'll see how that goes. Are you going to tell us what they are? I'm going to make cappuccino mousse. Mm -hmm. The recipe for which is uh, up on carrybrown.com, and we will put we'll put a link in the show notes. And so does that kind of have a tiramisu kind of flavor to it? Yeah. No, it's very espresso. It's oh. it's bolder than tiramisu and not boozy. Okay. And the other thing I'm going to do, because uh, Mr. Franklin requested something wintry. Yeah. And I thought wintry made me think of crumbles. So mm. I'm going to make a strawberry surprise crumble. Oh, my. So continuing the crunchy top theme, mm -hmm. I thought a, a crumble, and this recipe is actually in, if you have a copy of the Keto Crock-Pot written by moi, yes. you will find the strawberry surprise crumble is in there. So it, it was originally designed as a Crock-Pot recipe, but I'm going to do it not in a Crock-Pot because I don't have enough Crock-Pots to make dessert for 40 people. <laughs> Great. Well, you know, that's what I've been working on and you too, but what else has been new with you this week? New? Well, I started doing lives again. It's been, I used to do a live uh, Monday night at 8pm uh, in Facebook, that is. And uh -huh. um, life got a bit crazy at the, the 
back end of 2018 and I wasn't able to do the lives, but I'm back on schedule now. So I did uh, my Monday night live this week and I did another live talking about keto and mental health with a lady called Robin Davis. Okay. Um, I am excitedly planning for a massive March road trip. Road tripping (laughs) is uh, one of my favorite things to do. And I'm thinking this one's going to end up at about 8,000 miles. So I'm planning for that, getting very excited for that. Um, I spent some more time chatting to the lovely Amber O'Hearn, the carnival queen. She still has a, just a few slots left for her carnivory conference. They've been selling like crazy since we uh, mentioned her last week. She's still got a few slots left. So if you want to come join us in Boulder, March the 7th, we would love to meet you. Uh, the link will be in the show notes, so you can yes. grab one of the last tickets. Um, another milestone was uh, that Ralph, the forerunner, um, hit the 302,000 miles. So he went in for a service, and I was thrilled to, to see that he needed nothing else other than oil. Yep. Um, okay, yeah. now Ralph, come on, tell us what Ralph is. I don't think our listeners know who Ralph is. Ralph is my forerunner, my trusty <laughs> forerunner. Your car. In my car. He is coming up on 17 years old. Wow. And um, he's a beast, still going strong. So every service where you have not, you need nothing but the oil, it's, it's like it's a huge celebration. Yeah, absolutely. Mine's a 2012, so I've got a few years to catch up to Ralph. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and the, the other thing I did was because it's January and I do this, actually I do this twice a year, but I started the getting started cookbook special. We have, of course, a lot of people, their thoughts turn to health and maybe losing some pounds and getting healthier in the new year. Mm, And so I have my getting started cookbook special running right now where you get all five of my cookbooks for the price of three. Wow. Great. That's the digital versions, not the, not the physical versions. So, um, if, if you're new to keto or you're just, you, you want a whole bunch of keto recipes that you know work and know taste mm. delicious and know a keto then that this is this is the week great go get them peeps <laughs> all right well uh let's give away some swag we're going to give away a two keto dudes coffee mug to a lucky member of the two keto dudes fan club and and carrie of course the new mugs have your mug on them not richard so anyone who has a mug from the previous year or two has a collector's item. I'm still giggling about the fact that there's a mug in production that has my face on it. But um, <laughs> the lovely David Lee, our winner from last week, he came and joined us over in the Keto Kitchen Facebook group, and he's very excited about yes. being the owner of the first Keto Dudes mug with my mug on it. So that's right. So. Who is, uh, who's going to join David and be our winner for today, Carl? Well, today's winner is Chachilia Ford. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> There's the clappers. <laughs> <laughs> and right. if you don't want to wait to win a coffee mug, you can get your own 
at gear.tuketo.com. Absolutely. All right. Well, um, I'm very excited for our next guest, who is Dr. Eric Westman. He's been on Two Keto Dudes before, and he's actually going to make a remote appearance tomorrow, which was Saturday, I know, time shifting, at the Keto Mini Fest, and he's going to talk about uh, lazy keto is okay. Now, Dr. Westman is an amazing human. He's one of the first doctors to embrace the uh, ketogenic diet and actually do research on it. He's done over 100 studies about the safety and efficacy of a low-carb diet. And uh, he still continues to this day to uh, help so many people at his clinic in North Carolina. So let's roll the interview that we did with Dr. Eric Westman. Well, we have Dr. Eric Westman on the line from North Carolina. How are you, Dr. Westman? I'm great. Thanks for having me on the show. Thanks for being here. Good morning, Dr. Westman. Good morning. How are you today? I am doing really well. Um, it, it's 7 a.m. On the, on the East Coast, and uh, life is good. <laughs> so, Dr. Westman, I haven't seen you since Low Carb Houston. What have you been up to since then? Well, what a year, hasn't it been? 2018. Mm. Uh, and I think it's going to all continue 2019 and beyond all of the keto fest festivals, so to speak. I think there's one called keto fest and, um, <laughs> I yeah. have to say, um, it's been exciting and, and I know it's a lot of hard work to put on conferences, uh, having been on the leadership of an organization nationally. So thank you so much for putting on keto fest and, being involved in what really is a grassroots movement. You know, I think that's the main point of what I'd like to talk about today is, mm -hmm. um, if I could, is, is update on the grassroots movement and ways that people can get involved now to keep the movement going. Right. Well, I know that last year, 2018, Google said that keto was the number one Googled term for diet, health, fitness, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And I think that's remarkable. And and you can look at Google yeah. Trends and you can see how it's just gone up and skyrocketed last year. Yeah, it's fantastic. And why is that, do you think? Well, I think people are getting results. You're like you said, it's yeah. grassroots. The it the works. evidence <laughs> is all of us walking around without all these pounds on us. And then when people look into it and see, oh yeah, and I also reverse diabetes and Carrie doesn't have bipolar anymore and you know, my friend doesn't have cancer anymore. The 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 stories just compound. But yeah. I, I also think and and maybe I would because that's what I do, but I think there's so many more resources available now than even there was a year ago. Yeah. So people that are finding it now are kind of not kind of coming and going, oh my goodness, what do I eat? People are coming and going, oh, there's all these resources. So yeah. it doesn't seem as difficult to start or it doesn't seem as kind of crazy or fringe anymore because when they come to it now, like they type in Google and there's whoop, there's all of these options for them and there's all of these recipes that have already been created. So they're not kind of as lost as maybe they were a year ago. And, and you know, on conferences – it feels like there's a new one pops up every week. There's, uh, sure there was, does. I noticed last week, there was a uh, low carb Utah has, has joined the, the, the joy. So it, yeah. it just, it's really becoming like in a town near you, there's keto people that are 
super excited about their journey at, who want to to share that and help you get started. There's also a lot of coaches out there and, you know, some doctors that are, I know, a certain doctor in North Carolina has started a sort of a, a clinic to help people. Oh, you mean me? Yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, so, you know, I've been in a clinical setting, so I'm an internal medicine specialist by training and most doctors get no training in how to help people lose weight or or doctors don't get training in nutrition. Yeah. So I went out to get special training. And in the uh, medical world, we call it obesity medicine. You can actually be um, board certified in this area. And I've been teaching the keto, low-carb, high-fat, if you will, approach at these meetings for about 10 years now. And in the so I'm a teacher of other doctors in this space. And then also we set up our own clinic at Duke University. Uh, now it's been 12 years. So yeah. I've been, after doing research, gosh, I, I go way back. It was 20 years ago when two of my patients were in front of me doing this kind of crazy diet, eating steak and eggs and fixing all of their medical problems. And it was my curiosity that led me to write Dr. Atkins a letter. And then he called back and invited us to the clinic. And so, you know, I always, so I, what I sense is um, I, we've always known that it works, right? right? I mean, so even for me 20 years ago, these two men, because I was at a veterans affairs hospital, they were, they were all met. Now I had one patient who was a woman out of my own panel, but um, hmm. we, we always knew it could work. And, you know, the, the Atkins books have been out since 1972. Right. So, but there was always this fear of the safety. And so uh, that was when Dr. Yancey, Dr. Will Yancey, who's now the director of the Duke Diet and Fitness Center here in Durham, North Carolina. So you can actually, someone says, I know you're going to have to lock me up to do it. You know, yeah. you can't actually voluntarily come to <laughs> Durham and go to one of these residential programs. Dr. Yancey's program has a low-carb keto component to it. And But so when we were talking about what really needs to be done, what's the concern, this is 1998 now, mm. going back, we we thought it was safety. We thought it was, is it really healthy? Is it okay to eat all that fat? That's what derailed me from the Atkins diet was everybody around me telling me I was going to die. Yeah. It really, it really is a visceral fear of fat that is so deeply ingrained in our culture. And how, what were they basing that on looking back? Just uh, to Nothing. tell you the truth, it just sounded like fear. I mean, and you know, yeah. all that saturated fat's going to clog your arteries and, you know, that old saw. And you're going to have a heart attack. And You talk to a plumber or a, a car mechanic and they know grease takes grease off of things, you know? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, it, it, it's a, yeah, it's like this bizarre abstract thing that has nothing to do with reality. Although exactly. doctors would get up and say, fat on the artery, fat in the food, you know, right. duh. Like... Like it was, that's kind of as logical as, you know, the sun, look, the sun goes around the earth. Are you stupid? Right. Look I think, out the uh, window, you know. <laughs> I kind of think that the failing in thought there is we know that um, sugar is water soluble and pretty much goes right into the bloodstream and it's in there and we can measure it. And we've known that for a long, long time. But, it's called diabetes if the blood sugar is high all day long. It's a terrible thing. It is a terrible thing. Thank God I don't have it anymore. But also, I think, don't you think that, that you know, there there have been a, a significant number of people that have lost weight 
just doing low fat, which is what, you know, what we were told for 40 years was like, eat less and exercise more. Yeah. And, and and you can make that work. You can force the fat off sure. in that way because a lot of people did. But but what they didn't realize was that there was a a, a, a better, more effective way to do it. But or also, just a different way. You know, you know, different way. Do, yeah. Right. Do, doing it doing it the old way, um, it, it was incredibly hard. It took a long time. You mm. needed like a boatload of willpower. You were hungry all the time. But we just thought that, well, this is what you have to go through to get the end result. And 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 we also didn't realize that that although we may be shedding, forcing the fat off by doing those things, eating less, you know, eating low fat and exercising more, it, it we weren't getting healthier on the inside, which yeah. is what happens with keto as well. We didn't know about insulin, I think. And it, it, the, the thing that we've learned, I've learned about insulin, even just in the last couple of years, is that there is no weight loss unless insulin is low. That's the only way that, that fat is going to exit your body is when that insulin is low. And you can do it by calorie restriction, but your metabolic rate will slow down. And we all know what happens then. Bounces back with a vengeance. But that's once you know that, your focus should be on how can I lower insulin? Lower insulin, yeah. yeah. Well, that that was uh, if you read um, uh, Gary Taubes's book, Good Calories, Bad Calories. So that that came out right in the early two thousands, and it brought up all of the old data from Europe hmm. uh, that basically said that. So everybody, the doctors knew. Before 1950, the answer. Yeah. So 100 years ago, doctors were using this diet mm. to treat obesity and diabetes. Right. So it was all forgotten. So Gary's book was important, you know, just looking back on what things have changed. Although um, it didn't really sense the safety. So, you know, in our um, research, and I'm happy to say that we helped to contribute to it, Jeff Volek as well yeah. published a paper in 2002. You know, again, this is now... 16 years ago, where not only did it, you lose weight, but the, the lipids actually look better, and everyone's worried about the lipids today. So, you know, if someone's coming to this new, I, I just want to communicate that I had all of these same concerns about health and safety, and I was skeptical. But for me, that was 20 years ago. Right. And, and so, <laughs> I've, I've watched people not die. You're you know, keto royalty, people, man. It, well, I don't know. I, I think of Dr. Atkins and, and Steve Finney, my teachers, to be, you know, like no, the, sorry. the real you're, pioneers. You're in the royal but, um, family. <laughs> well, okay, maybe the, the younger brother. But um, but so I, I just want to communicate the, that knee-jerk reaction and fear that even people say today yeah. really has no basis in fact. Yeah, and and in science, and and that is, I think that's the change that's happened. Uh, of course, a new name helps. Yeah. You know, if you have a disaster from a company, change the company name. Sure. But, I mean, there was no disaster here. Again, it was sort of a a uh, knee jerk reaction against a man, against the fear of fat, and uh, so I, I think that um, from my vantage point, it, everyone knew it could work, but there were concerns about health of healthfulness and safety, yeah. and and. Fortunately, those concerns didn't materialize. And um, I, when we first spoke to you on Two Keto Dudes uh, a couple of years ago, you mentioned something like you have helped, uh, I can't remember, four or 5,000 patients in the last 10 yeah. years reverse yeah. diabetes and, and obesity. 
Yeah, so, uh, you know, I don't have a big research uh, engine, which sadly, I want that. <laughs> my my in, uh, initial training as an internal medicine specialist and clinical researcher led me to do these uh, studies that are in the peer-reviewed literature. You know, mm -hmm. our randomized trials were done, published 2004 yeah. and 2008, 2010. So in a sort of quality assurance analysis, meaning I can go in and pull data from my clinical computer. And in that kind of analysis, we've helped 2,000 people lose 28,000 pounds just over the last five years. And it occurs to me that, you know, a doctor doesn't have to prove that a drug that works works in their practice. Right. You know, this should be obvious. I mean, so the doctor sees the blood pressure go down after giving a pill. I mean, I see the weight go down after using the keto diet because it's scientific. You know? Right. <laughs> yeah. So, but it still shocks people to know. Well, no, this works. You know. <laughs> yeah. So there, there are a growing number of clinics, growing number of doctors, but I was uh, persuaded by a couple entrepreneurial folks that, uh, you know, doc, you know, they just ask me those tough questions. What What are you trying to do? I'm trying to get as many people uh, to do this or to know about it, at least have access to it and treat them, get them off their medicines for diabetes and all that. And they said, okay, how many of you treat it? Well, 2,000 over five years. Then they said, great, how many people need this? Uh, millions. Yeah. And, and I thought, oh, gosh. So <laughs> publishing papers only goes so far. You know, right. having uh, uh, podcasts and being on shows and all that only goes so far. And so the grassroots, people have taken this into their own hands. Mm -hmm. And they're doing it on their own. And that's what we're doing with the medical clinics now. Because I'm, I've... I'm frustrated and tired of trying to convince the doctors. Right. Either they get it or they don't. And like you're saying, it's a visceral reaction still for a lot of doctors today. Well, you can't, you know, eat that, you know, stutter yeah, right. through the word. And <laughs> now, you know, you and I, we, we say, we love fat, you know. Uh, it's yeah. almost like the marker for whether someone's gone through that intellectually, comes out in their stutter. My doctor, say, when I, you know... I, Look, she she thought I was a superstar and all my numbers were great, but was concerned about my cholesterol. And then she asked me, "What do you eat?" And I said, <laughs> "Bacon, ribeye with butter, you know, a lot of fatty meats, and you know, it's vegetables as well. But I don't eat all the starch and sugar." She just looked at me and shook her head, like, "You know, you are going to die." <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, and you didn't laugh, right? No, I did not. No, I yeah. was dead serious. Yeah. Well, and that's another thing. Why do why do people give us doctors so much power? No, I'm joking. You know, it's <laughs> it's the white coat. Yeah, and the well, stethoscope. That's yeah. That's your authority. <laughs> well, you know, so people have been people have been taking this into their own hands, and um, one example of that is these Facebook groups are popping up. Right. Uh, Facebook groups of keto and this, keto and that, or LCHF and this. And one example of what can happen, um, and there was a paper published in the journal Pediatrics this year, which is a uh, high-level journal, peer-reviewed, and, and uh, uh, this Facebook group of people with type 1 diabetes doing keto uh, pretty much all lower their uh, their insulin requirement. They in, you still need insulin if you have type yeah. one, but they didn't need as much, and their blood sugars are better. And and so one of our research fellows uh, here at Duke uh, decided to do a project uh, surveying this Facebook group. And type the one grit, really right? good. 
Type 1 grit, yeah. yeah. And um, uh, T-Y-P-E-O-N-E-G-R-I-T, all spelled out. Um, yeah. And uh, at that time, there were a couple thousand people on the site. And uh, Dr. Uh, David Ludwig at Harvard got wind of it and said, hey, let's redo it. And he'll throw in some validation uh, calling the doctors to make sure the A1Cs were accurate and all that. So it, it was high enough uh, credibility. It wasn't just the self-report of people, although I think that's valuable. But anyway, mm -hmm. it got it through the peer review process and published in the journal Pediatrics. And the response was interesting because, you know, most clinical people value that these people, there were, you know, a couple hundred people in the survey who lowered their A1Cs and on less insulin with type 1 diabetes. Mm. But the other response was, well, it's just, you know, a survey. <laughs> yeah, right. so, the, and now I'm uh, in another totally different situation where there was this muscle disease that no one could treat. In fact, the professor who's the worldwide leaders never thought of letting muscles run on fat for energy. So now they're, you know, just stepping back into the biochemistry a little bit, the, the body's really good at burning sugar and it's burning and really good at burning fat. And you can tell your body to burn sugar or burn fat by eating sugar or fat. So right. it turns out the muscles do really well on fat, but the experts in this uh, rather rare condition called glycogen storage disease, glycogen being the sugar storage, uh, um, thought, well, since they can't store sugar, we'll just feed them sugar all day long. So wake up children, feed them sugar, try to give them starch that gets digested all day long. And, and people on their own decided, well, why don't we do this keto thing? Of course, I don't think they really knew that what they're doing behind the scenes is just changing the fuel to what you eat. And if you don't eat sugar, you, you burn fat. And so yeah. this muscle disease gets better overnight. And uh, there are different types of glycogen storage diseases, and they're not all the same and all that. But if you have a certain type called McCardle, uh, McCardle disease, uh, you actually do better when you're burning fat in your muscle. And the, but as we know, the way to turn off fat burning is to get insulin up. Yeah. And and the way to get insulin up is to have blood sugar go up. And oh, the way to get blood sugar to go up is to eat carbs. Yeah. <laughs> so so they did a survey of this group now for McCardle disease, and and uh, I don't know if it's Facebook or another social media site, and um and thirty people basically chimed in with anecdotes like I'm fixed. You know, I, I couldn't yeah. walk, or it's this is the interesting syndrome where people find themselves pretending to tie their shoes every hundred yards. Because they're just so tired, they can't walk. Yeah, and so they, it's like um, just being out of out of wind and and energy. And uh, the, the group got together and they hiked across uh, northern uh, uh, in the UK. Um, and anyway, so I sat in a meeting recently where people are telling the world's experts, "Here's what we're finding." And one of the world experts in the and it was a small meeting, ten people or so, said, "Well, they must have been misdiagnosed." And what? What so, uh, you know? Yeah, where was the where <laughs> well, was the uh, demand for scientific proof when people were you know um, I don't know smoking cigarettes and dying right or drinking alcohol and getting cirrhosis or or eating Twinkies and getting sick? 
Well, but this is the classic doctor thing. In fact, it was uh, caricatured in the 1800s uh, by Honoré Daumier, where the arrogance of just any profession, right? If if, uh, if I didn't come up with it, it must not be true. Yeah. You know, or or if it worked for them, they must not have had the right diagnosis. And uh, but actually, <laughs> the optimistic view is that there are researchers now looking at this for this condition and. Um, you know, just really stepping back to the biochemistry and the big picture view, you burn what you eat for mm-hmm. energy. You know, it's protein, protein comes first. There, you know, right. that's not a, um, a negotiable thing. But then you can run your body on sugar or fat and you can choose that fuel by what you eat. And some uh, organs now, you know, you look at different organs in the body. Most of them do really well on ketones and fatty acids. Right. And, you know, the brain does, uh, mm-hmm. uh, like bipolar and, and epilepsy getting better. Uh, the, uh, the liver does great. The heart loves the, ketones. Uh, muscle, the heart loves ketones. You know, so there are only just a few cells in the body that absolutely knew, need glucose. And even then, that's not really well studied. When uh, I have uh, students come on my rotation at Duke, they can actually rotate through a, a keto clinic and go through other weight loss programs. And one um, student was interested in ophthalmology in the eye. And so I thought, well, for your month, figure out what the eye really needs for energy. You know, is it a glucose requiring organ? And it turns out, you know, best we could, no one's really looked and, and you know, no one's really cared uh, about whether the eye could run on sugar or fat. I mean, well, it really is kind of a bizarre question, I suppose. But on the other hand, don't you want to know? Yeah, of course. You know? <laughs> anyway, so that, what I guess what I'm trying to summarize is that people are doing it, getting together in groups and changing academia. Yeah. So changing the 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 uh, um, the researchers who you know. Uh, so there's a not a, a uh, the latest science uh, is not coming out of the governmental research programs, they're in the old paradigm. Mm-hmm. The latest even, um, I, I call, you know, 30 people in a, in a row, case series, that's a, a scientific observation, and that counts, and that's pretty exciting. So, Dr. Westman, um, I know that you have this heel clinic, and you guys were instrumental in helping us launch KetoFest 2017. And uh, a group of people, and um, you're doing coaching and sort of uh, the you're sort of bringing your clinic to the masses tell me what's going on with heal lately thank you yeah the heal clinics h-e-a-l for healthier eating and living is a way to scale up the availability of keto teaching uh, if you're not on medical uh, medications you don't have medical problems we teach people at a distance. Most people are calling that coaching these days. We we call it partnering, but you know, mm-hmm. same same kind of thing. Yep. But what I've learned over now, gosh, twenty years, uh, you know, two decades of using a keto diet is that if you use it in someone who has medications, especially diabetes and high blood pressure medicines, mm. you have to be careful. You have to understand that the medic medicines can become too strong very fast, and so. In my experience, and, and I roped in Jackie Everstein, who worked with Dr. Atkins for 30 years. Well, I roped her in. I, <laughs> I asked her to help uh, create the clinical protocols and the clinical teaching program so that we can scale up. I'm not going to wait for Dr. Smith down the, the street to figure this out and teach right. him. 
her, um, let's create our own practitioners. Let's train our own army of people. You know, I, I kind of feel like there's this epidemic. There's a there's a, a disaster here, and no one's training relief workers to fix it. So yeah. it's like so um, we're training a new type of practitioner. In fact, we're, we're coining a new type of medicine called keto medicine. And the type of practitioner understands how to talk to someone, you know, meet them where they are. That's called motivational interviewing today, meaning mm -hmm. you actually talk to someone and right. listen. <laughs> Always seemed natural to me. But, uh, and then they understand food, nutrition, and, uh, and they have no fear of eating fat. That's a big one. Um, and then the clinical providers understand how to de-prescribe medication. And that's actually a new term created by the pharmacists so that we are creating practitioners who can de-prescribe, take people off medication. And they love it. I mean, I've had people on insulin for 20 years be able to be off of their insulin in two weeks. Yep. Because yep. the food was, they were using insulin to to cover or to treat the food. To Starting treat the, the glucose. Clinics, yeah. Treat the glucose, yeah. Um, so the heal clinic, we've worked in hard to create the right, to find the right business model. And we found it basically now, which is we don't go and create our own clinical, we don't go, you know, build a building and do that. That That's just so cost prohibitive. What we're doing is we're putting in practitioners in another clinic. So it's called a host clinic model, mm. where kind of like um, Target agreed to have Starbucks come into their, their uh, buildings. They don't make the coffee, right. but they know their clients want the coffee. And so shop. it's a franchise. Well, technically not in terms of the business side of things. We still are the ones who control the, the people who are doing it, but that kind of idea. Where, okay. um, so Dr. Um, Smith, uh, you know, this is a fictitious name. So Dr. Right. Re real person, Dr. Spruill in Virginia is the one who owns the clinic but rents out the space to one of the heel practitioners and wants that, um, that service for his patients. So what happens is there's a built-in referral automatically. So mm. what we're finding is chiropractors, internal medicine doctors, cardiologists who understand that the keto can be good and, uh, but don't want to figure out how to do it. Yeah. They outsource it to someone. So we go in and we do our practice inside their clinic. So it means there's a variable startup cost. So you start up a clinic usually one day a week or half day a week, then one day. And so you're not hiring, you know, a thousand workers to sit while you generate, um, generate patients. Right. And, um, then you can scale it up. So it's almost like, um, you know, stepping back and sort of a, uh, battle models, like we're getting little beachheads inside the, we're, we're creating little, little areas in the medical system that it will be doing it. Right. Um, so you don't need the approval from the very top, although you need approval from the, the person who owns the clinic. And so, but the other interesting thing is, um, uh, most of my patients have to wait four to six months to come see me now. Yeah. Uh, and in a heel clinic model, you can get seen almost immediately. And so you, in a you place have that's close people, to you. In a place that's close to you, yeah. So I have people flying off from, you know, Timbuktu to see me in Durham. And while, you know, some people can do that, most people can't. So it's right. creating that uh, new type of practitioner that will be geographically located, what we hope, all over the world one day, uh, uh, but at least starting in the U.S., um, 
so that's called the heal clinics and you know it um it makes sense now that I think about it, looking back that there's um, this phenomenon and, and you've used it with Keto Fest where you can have a Kickstarter to do a, a program or a product. What we're doing is that kind of crowdfunding. It's not really Kickstarter, but you mm-hmm. actually can buy stock in the company with as little as $480 and you can actually shape the future of keto medicine Wow, supporting the company. Yeah, isn't that pretty cool? <laughs> that is cool. Um, so that's a model I've never heard of before. I mean, of course, I've heard of investments, but you're just yeah. opening up to anybody. Right. So, uh, well, not not quite. I mean, there's a form and it's, it's okay. uh, SEC approved. So uh, the U.S. Securities Exchange Commission. Um, uh, but with as little, it is pretty much to anybody. Uh, in fact, you can put it on your credit card, which was kind of Interesting when I when I invested myself, uh, oh, I could just put it on my credit card. Um, but it's the, a grassroots uh, change. I mean, hasn't it been all along? You know, so um, the Kickstarter idea where you buy the conference ticket ahead of time has been turned into just in the last few years an equity investment idea, so that you can buy stock in the company by uh, this kind of crowdsourcing. So, Doctor Westman. My passion is about keto in the mental health space. Yeah. Do you have, have have you got any examples of patients who have seen their depression or bipolar go away? Yes. Uh, we haven't published them in, uh, in case series or in, in, um, in a peer reviewed journals, but in my clinical experience, I have, um, it's not a hundred percent. Uh, kind of like 100% with diabetes will get better, uh, but I, so I think it's going to be more complicated than just to say do keto and your 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 mental health problem will be better. But yeah, I think uh, it's one of those situations where if nothing else has worked and and it's feasible, you know, practicable for you to change what you eat, why wouldn't you try it? You know, and that's my stance really with any sort of medical problem that that can't be treated or fixed using the medical mainstream. Well, there, so, you know, there are studies, keto. and I'm, I'm sure you know of, of these, that sh- you know, show under brain scans just how um, you know, somebody with mental health, the brain looks you know, like it's been shot to hell with holes and places that just are dormant. And you know, after thriving on ketones for a while, it looks beautiful. And so, you know, if you it, just for general brain health, even if it doesn't address your specific mental health issues, um, ketones are great for brain health, right? Yeah. And for me, that that's what that's one of the most exciting things about about the whole keto thing because there's so so many people that are struggling with their brains in you know from ADHD to bipolar to Alzheimer's and and all of those things. There's there's millions and millions of people who suffer. So for yeah. me, the, the that's one of the biggest things that that we need to tackle is this mental health problem and and you know dr westman that the the number of mental health professionals available they're absolutely swamped with people because you know we just don't have the capacity for the the therapy and the counseling so to pioneer a, a dietary approach to mental health 
is just it's just the best thing from my perspective having having suffered from bipolar 2 disorder for for all of my life um but you know as you said it's not for for some people it's not just keto and it wasn't for me either it was a combination of keto and and some other things but for me what's happening for keto in the mental health space is just magical Fantastic. Well, you know, the medical treatment, medical mainstream um, suffers from the same medication focus for for mental health as there is for diabetes, hypertension and all that. And the medication treatment of mental health disease can actually make the situation worse. Yeah, I've seen it. In terms of carb cravings and weight going up and And mental health harder and harder. I mean, some of these SSRIs are are linked with you know, suicide attempts, this kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, do so, you, when you, when you promote heal, do you, are you focused on weight loss and diabetes or do you also appeal to those who have, you know, uh, cardiac problems, heart disease, uh, cancer, uh, mental health as Carrie talks about? Yes. So absolutely. Yes. The, the mechanics of it, is you just go to the healclinics.com website. That's H-E-A-L-C-L-I-N-I-C-S.com website. You fill in an initial health assessment. So there's a little bit of information you put in. It's reviewed by our medical team. Mm -hmm. And if we think you need to be seen in a clinic, we refer you to the closest clinic. If you are not on a you know a slew of medications and things like thyroid and and a, you know again it's a clinical personal clinical judgment mm. because that's where we're at I, I don't think this can be safely rolled out in a mass produced sort of way like you know just letting cars go out there without anyone learning how to drive them mm. you know <laughs> so we review it and and even though we named it the Heal Diabetes Clinics we treat obesity we'll treat mental health problems um, as long as we think that that's within the, the scope of, of our uh, clinical base. And Jackie Eberstein, who's the lead in terms of teaching and, and even the clinical care, has the most experience of anyone on earth. I mean, she yeah, worked with Dr. Atkins for Dr. Atkins for 30 years. And so she's, she's a great the one that actually dealt have. with the patients, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah but, so when I visited in 90, yeah, 1998, she was in the trenches. Um, and Dr. Atkins was more like the professor down the hall. Mm-hmm. You know, you would go take your patient in there and he would give the blessing, you know. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, well, it was an interesting uh, thing to watch because they didn't really agree on what to do. You know, huh. uh, Dr. Atkins said, oh, a bar, why not? I need them. He pulled one out of his pocket. And Jackie Everstein said, no, no bars, no shakes, no sweetness. Oh. You know, so what I saw pretty quickly is that there was an individualization that uh, depends on the person. Sure. So that's how the Heal Clinics uh, also um, treats the patient, not the, the, in the problem itself. So it's a holistic approach. That's great. So if you're listening out there, and you've thought about, you know, you've healed yourself. Obviously, there's a lot of our listeners who have healed themselves and then they continue to listen just because it's interesting and to stay motivated, I guess. If you're interested in helping, in being a, um, you call them, I don't know if you call them coaches, or be, but being on the HEAL staff and working in one of your clinics, what should somebody do in that case? Yeah, so we have a team of people sort of on the bench, 
as the company grows and it, uh, where we put the clinics is a combination of, you know, uh, who's there and, you know, the state, actually different states have different requirements to have this kind of practice there. Mm-hmm. So you would just uh, email or go to the website, healclinics.com and send an email saying what you're interested in. And uh, so patients can get access to care. Uh, practitioners can, uh, can sign up to kind of be on the team as a, or, you know, just say you want to learn more about it. Mm. And we keep track of everyone. Um, we're really at that stage where, uh, depending on the launch, we're uh, crowdfunding right now through December and January, and we're aiming for a million dollars, and we've actually got a quarter of a million as of today. Wow. So we're well on the way. Uh, of course, it's, you know, never enough. This is super, super, super exciting. Yeah. It's, um, you know, there's a lot, and I know that, the, you know, a lot of the public have had success with keto, and a lot of them are self-appointing themselves as coaches, and I, I, I think that's super cool that they want to do that. And of course, they've had success. So, I mean, they know how they did it. Mm. But what we really need now, it's got to the point where there's there's a lot of people out there who have had no training either in 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 how keto works broadly or how to coach other people. Right. And so I think this is... I, I think we're kind of almost going backwards in that regard. We What we need now is people who have some education in this so that they can more effectively help the masses rather than, you know, all these self-appointed coaches. Um, so this is super, super exciting. And so I'm now – your self-appointed coaches are going to become – Credited via your 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 program, Doctor Westman. Well, we're not selling an accreditation to people. We we train them and keep them hired on our staff. Right. <laughs> so it's a matter of of controlling the quality of the the service we give. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a um, interaction that um, we think is really important to have several levels of of uh, backup, if you will. Right. So say, so we've trained nurse practitioner uh, in in a state and while they're trained in the method and all that, they may have a question about what to do. Sure. While they go up the ladder to, to me or another physician, if we don't know, then we go up the ladder to Jackie Eberstein. Uh, you know, so we're yeah. keeping, I guess we're keeping that expertise in-house, if you will. Uh, and um, I ju- just have to say your comment about uh, personal experience and wanting to get involved, that, that's the major investor reason. We, we reached out to the people who have made investments and what I hear is, you know, I struggled to find the information myself. I want to make it easier for the next person. Yeah. Um, uh, my my mother lives in California. I live in North Carolina. I want to have clinics in an area where, you know, my family is. Um, so it's a real sort of um, like, I guess, in any early company, it's a way to give back. Uh, people are, are personally affected by 
keto, mm. uh, LCHF, um, however you want to say it, and uh, know that it can be so helpful. That a lot of healthcare providers are investing here. Um, you know, a nurse has just seen her. I'm looking at an investor comment. All of her patients are getting worse over time. She knows that keto is the answer and wants to give in to a company that's going to make this grow. Uh, now, another patient said, I, I, or another investor said, I weighed almost 300 pounds and not one primary care doctor said a word. Yeah. So there's a, there's a failure on the, the medical system level that we don't have to wait for. So it's again, it's like we're training relief workers uh, in, an, in an epidemic. Yeah. Do these relief workers have to have medical credentials in order to be on your staff? If they're in a clinic, yes. Yeah. If they're just teaching at a distance, something we call the non-medical program, no. So okay. most of those people are, are super users. So it's almost like the uh, what Weight Watchers developed into where if you have personal experience and you get extra training, you can then pass it along to other people. Right. So so you don't have to have a medical credential, although we, we're heavily uh, packed with RN, or uh, actually nurses and RDs, dietitians and mm -hmm. clinical diabetes educators, but that's not a requirement. Um, and, you know, finally, one uh, person said on the uh, uh, investor side, and, I, you know, I... I I don't remember. It's not me. I'm carrying a baton and passing it forward. But mm -hmm. this person said, I'm a heel investor because of Dr. Westman and Jackie West and Everstein's international reputation yeah. and the science behind the approach. Yep. Uh, and the clinic within a clinic model reduces overhead. And there's a subscription service, kind of like a gym where you get the money in. And so anyway, there's a, again, I think we have the right, well, I know we have the right business model. We've worked hard to get to this stage to see how can we really roll this out, scale it up, and and uh, I am really excited about this. <laughs> well, we are excited too. This is incredible. Yeah. And you know, we followed, or I followed in my mind, that uh, Keto Fest Kickstarter idea, yeah. you know, getting the grassroots, but this is different in that you're actually getting equity, you're getting stock in the company. So if you can imagine, it's like you got Apple or IBM stock when it was first started, Yep. You wish you'd done that. <laughs> That's right. And uh, and I, to my best I can tell, this is the only company you can actually invest in in the keto low-carb space. Well, the only company that's doing real stuff, you know. I mean, there's a lot of companies that sell products, but everybody knows that, you know, it's really not about products. It's about cooking and eating. Real food. Real food, yeah. yeah. Just food. It's just food. It's just food. <laughs> And that's one of the, the issues that I'm seeing more and more in my practice with newcomers coming in, the uh, uh, carry, as you mentioned, uh, even teachers who are newcomers, there is an obsession about having fat and, and food mm -hmm. quality and all, and it's great, but it's yeah. not necessary. You know, yeah. the, the initial focus should be real food, don't add in products and all that yeah. stuff, because, uh, you know, this was described 150 years ago in right. England and and you know you don't need all of these other things although they can help like keto cookies and products yeah, yeah. and uh, but um, uh, that's a, a distraction I'm seeing um, uh, I saved someone recently by uh, uh, he was paying a couple hundred dollars a month for all these vitamins and supplements and doing keto and I said um, well why don't we just 
try, you know, just keto. Bacon and, and eggs. He, he's happy. Yeah. <laughs> he's saving I think, all the I money. Think the, um, I think there's a place for the 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 products in that, you know, when we know that real food works, but I think, you know, compared to 50 years ago, the world has changed so much in terms of, you know, the vast majority of people in the Western world, both parents work, which didn't sure. used to be the thing. And and so the, and the world is moving along at such a fast pace. I do think that the thing that, that makes it more difficult from just eating real food is the amount of time we have to cook and prepare that food. So I I do think real food is always the first line of defense, but I do think there's a a convenience aspect that we've just got used to. Sure. That I think and I think it's always better from my perspective anyway, uh, it's always better to to give someone an option that's better than the alternative if they really can't get to the place where they can prepare, uh, prep, cook good food that day. Yeah, I couldn't so, agree you more. Know, always real food first, but but modern life is such that I think there's a place for some good keto products to to fill in the convenience gap that we've become so used to. Sure. Expecting. There, there is. And I agree with you. I'm the only caveat I would say, and I think we're all in agreement here, is that it's not necessary. You know, it, it right. may be necessary from a convenience standpoint, but certainly right. not from a health standpoint. Yeah. Not from a scientific standpoint. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I just think they can bridge the gap. Um, you know, and I would much rather someone get a good keto bar or a good keto shake not that you know and a lot of them aren't but grab one of those rather than you know get off the keto wagon yeah. and eat some you know non-keto nonsense so i would always do that as a preferred if they really can't get to the real food well i cross that line philosophically as well as i'm involved with a product company now called adapt your life <laughs> Yeah, adaptyourlife.com and we have great keto bars and yeah, they're good. And but um, yeah, it's never been easier to do a low carb or keto diet because of the other convenience foods. And I mean, even the seems like the big food industry is changing with cauliflower rice mm. in our area. You can buy at the store. We used to have to teach people to make their own food processor cauliflower rice. Right now, it's available, and no, no question that. There's a, a, a appetite for convenience foods that we have to meet in the keto world in order to make uh, dramatic or wide-scale uh, change. Absolutely. But you don't have to do that. And I heard uh, Nurse Cindy in San Antonio had a great line. She said, you know, eat the highest quality and best food that you can afford and you have access to. Mm -hmm. but, but the main point is to, um, to keep the carbs low. You know, run your body on fat. Well, Dr. Westman, it's been a pleasure talking to you again. And I, we both wish you, and we all wish you, really good luck with this. And, and I'm sure that some listener out there is already at HealClinics.com, either investing or signing up to be on the Heal staff. And uh, thank you for everything that you've done in the past and that you continue to do for us in the future. 
Well, my pleasure, and thank you too. Sounds like 2019 is going to be a really, really great year for you, Dr. Westman, and and uh, but but also as a roll off of that, all of us as well, because of the things you're doing that are literally going to change the landscape of of health in this country. That's you know, 2019 is going to be an awesome year, and thank you for your part in in what you're doing to make that so. Well, you're welcome. I really have no choice. It's a mission for me now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's my, it's uh, what I have to do. Yeah. Thanks again. My pleasure. All right. We'll see you later. Bye-bye. Well, uh, it, it was really a pleasure to talk to Dr. Westman. Did, had you ever talked, did you talk to him at Keto Fest when you came last year? I did. Um, and I, so that was actually my third time uh, meeting Dr. Westman. And and I don't mean this to sound shallow, but one of the things that I find always so awesome about uh, Dr. Westman is that he's so tall. <laughs> he is a tall individual, yeah. And I remember the first time I met him, I was just like, Wow, I'd never got the sense from from seeing his picture online that he was that tall, but he's He's uh, a mean piano player too. He is super tall <laughs> and he's super nice and yeah. um well, it's such a pleasure to have him on the show. Absolutely. And uh we wish him luck and and if you're you know, go go get your investment in Heal Clinics cuz the time is running out. Well, uh I guess it's time for some uh recipe See, I got to do it longer now because Richard was always like, Resumes! And that was so <laughs> epic. I don't actually think I need to contribute to that. <laughs> oh, everybody wants you to scream recipes, Carrie. No. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway. Yeah, I know. You're a reserved English woman. It's, it's okay. I have my moments. Sorry. I lost my head. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What, what have you got? Because you're the recipe queen. Well... The other week, there was uh, you were talking about sous vide pork chops, and I mentioned that yes. there was for those who do not have a sous vide um, because of budgetary restraints or space restraints or don't know what a sous vide is yet mm -hmm. or whatever. Mm -hmm. I mentioned that there was another way to cook pork chops without a sous vide that would give you super juicy, delicious pork chops. Okay. And but and then I ran away and I didn't actually explain how. So I thought that um, we'd cook a pork chop today. Ah, great. And this is one of those weird weird things that um and I actually you can read the full story on my blog, but I actually learned about this technique while sitting in my therapist's office when I had bipolar 2 disorder mm -hmm. and um, used to go to therapy every week. And um, I was reading in my therapist's office and learned the best way to cook a pork chop. So where did you read it? I don't know. I wish I could remember the publication it was in, but it was in a kind of a, it was in a kind of a science journal thing that I read about this. And I remember it was like seven pages of scientific geekery into the cooking of pork chops. And I took away from it, I boiled that seven pages down into six words because I had to leave the, 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 the journal there. So I boiled the seven pages down into six words and then I went home completely 
not believing that this would work. Yeah. And I tried it and I was amazed. Okay. These were the best pork chops. When I say best, I mean juiciest. I don't know about you, Carl, but before before the sous vide, how many times have you thought, oh, I really want a pork chop? And you've been disappointed because they oh, yes. haven't had a lot of flavor and they've been yep. dry. Dry, 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 dry. Yep. And and so I <laughs> I read this I'm journal and I came home and, and I cooked it, thoroughly expecting it to be a complete fail and to not work. And I was blown away when I got the juiciest, tastiest pork chop I'd ever <laughs> cooked in my life. And I was like, well, I don't understand how this can work. <laughs> well, you but hinted it does. at this last week, right? Right. And I I have done it now. I've done this I, I must have cooked pork chops at least hundred and fifty times using this method since I I read about this technique and it works every single time. I cannot explain why it works. But it does work. And it's also the simplest thing ever. So we're going to okay. cook a pork chop. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Okay. So there, it's uh, six words. Okay. And those six words are, well, actually, there's, there's two versions. Okay. Do, no, do not heat the pan first. Or put another way, start with a stone cold pan. Oh. And that's what you said last week. That's Start it. Start with a cold pan. Yep. So here in detail is what you do. Okay. You and and I know a lot of you are going to be going. What is this woman on? No, you have to preheat the pan and use oil and put oil in. No, no. Trust me on this. Try it once. You'll be amazed. And I've got had thousands of people tell me that this is true. Right. So. <laughs> And no, I did not use fancy, smancy, organic grass-raised pork chops from rainbow-grunting pigs fed on truffles and warm milk. I used regular pork chops from the regular grocery store. That's great. Actually, because I'm cheap, they were really cheap regular pork chops from the grocery (laughs) store. And it still works fantastically. So here's what you do. And I, I kind of added a few steps in because it's so simple. So okay. you remove the skillet or the pan from the cupboard mm-hmm. and you place cold pork chops. So you get your pork chops out of the fridge. Right. And you put the cold pork chops in the cold skillet. Now, do you put anything on them? Salt? No, nothing. Anything? Nothing. Nothing, nothing really? at all. Cold, naked, fresh from the fridge pork chops. <laughs> okay. <laughs> into your stone cold skillet. I get you now. And you place the skillet on a cold stove, like no heat. Got it. When you've got all those things in alignment. I wish everybody could see Carrie right now. She's so excited. She's animated. Her hands are moving wildly in the air. (laughs) And you, you, you turn the heat on medium. Yes. Now, is this electric or gas? Well, on gas. Now, I have gas. So when I wrote this, I was electric, and so that was medium. But now I'm on propane. I'm like, that's low. It's probably low. Yeah, <laughs> low, 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 medium. Yeah. So low, medium. 
and you're going to just leave them there for three minutes. You're not going to touch them. You walk away if you have to. Just leave them there. And then you're going to come back and you're going to turn them over and you're going to sear them with a spatula. And if you don't understand when I say the word sear, it just means push on it. So you get your spatula and you just push down. So you're just pushing the chop against the pan. Okay. Now, now you're you're not going to lose any juice that way. No. Okay. I mean, you do that with hamburgers and all the juice runs out, but these are pork chops. They're a little right. more self-contained. In yeah. fact, so so you're going to turn it over. You're going to sear it. Yeah. You're going to cook it for three minutes. You're going to walk away. Don't touch them. Just leave okay. them sitting there. Got it. And then you're going to turn them over again. Another sear. Two more minutes. Turn them over. Another sear. And then okay. turn them over. Cook them for one minute. Turn them over, cook them for another minute. All right, so this is interesting. You don't do anything with them in the meantime. You just turn it over, sear it, leave it. You do this that. is really interesting because Richard Morris was talking about there are two camps of doing steaks, right, on right. in a seared pan. One of them is four minutes on one side, four minutes on the other side, four minutes in the oven, four minutes resting, right? And the other one is flipping Every minute or 15 seconds, actually. Right. Flipping, 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 flipping. And that's sort of going along the lines of what you're doing. Right. You're but constantly flipping. The important thing is the cold pan, the cold yeah. chop and the cold pan. That is the critical thing to this. The flipping is not so important. Really? It's the cold chop, cold pan, no heat to start with. And why is that? I don't know. I do not know why it works. <laughs> it just works. But I know it does work because I've tar- I've I've done it 150 time, times times and I've had a th- I've had thousands of people screaming with delight over the juiciest tastiest pork chops they've well, ever eaten. Well, that's awesome. That's enough for me. Cold pan. So, the the cooking time will vary dependent on the thickness of your chops. Sure. And whether they have a bone in or not. Right. If they have a bone, you need to cook more. Right. So they are done when they are perfectly browned on both sides. Okay. Now, do you use the finger method? Do you push on it to to see how much give it has and therefore you can tell how done it is now? Nope. When they're perfectly browned, they're done. Interesting. put them on a plate. And and at this point, halfway through, you're going to look at the pan and go... It's completely dry. Like there's no way this can work. (laughs) But you're going to do this. You're going to trust me. And you're going to, when they're perfectly browned on both sides, you're going to slide them onto a plate and you're just going to watch it. And a few minutes later, (laughs) the juices are going to start to ooze out the sides. Wow. And then you're going to eat the juiciest pork chop you've ever had in your life. Now, I can't believe you don't season it with at least salt or adobo or something. Nope. Really? You don't season your pork chops? Nope. Okay. But I got to imagine if somebody wanted to season them, there's no harm. It's not going to change the juiciness of it, right? Nope. The key thing here, cold chop straight out the fridge. Cold pan. Cold pan, no heat. Put those three things together, turn the heat on, off you go. Yeah, it makes sense to me. It's a gentle heating and not an overheating of the cr- of the outside on any one side because you're constantly flipping. 
It makes a lot of sense. It is something to do with the pork proteins, the science of pork meat. And there mm. were seven pages of geekery, and I don't remember any of it. I just remember <laughs> to start with a cold pan. Carrie, that is good enough for me. I'm going to try And I saw the pictures. They look delicious. Yeah. So yeah. If you don't have a sous vide, that, my friends, is how to cook a pork chop. And once you've done it once, you'll go... I don't know why it works, but it does. Yeah, I'm going to try it. I'll report back to everybody. I'll take one for the team. <laughs> and those, those, and I, I'm looking at the, the, the picture of chops on my website. Yeah. And that we'll link to. And those, I don't know if Carl's looking at it right now, but those pork chops, there was nothing on them, nothing. They were just hmm. plain pork chops cooked as I've described. Wow. Very good. So that's it. That's it. That's a show. You know, if you have anything you want to tell us, something we said wrong, something that you don't agree with, some more research that you found to support or refute anything that we've said, send it by email to dudes at twoketodudes.com or just post it on our website. And you can follow us on Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at twoketodudes. Make sure, if you do, to use the hashtag twoketodudes. And of course, if you want to join the free ketogenic forum, it's forum.2keto.com. And you can have a look around the ketogenic forums without needing to create an account by starting with success.2keto.com. Also check out my Facebook group. Well, it's ours really because Carl's yeah. got his name on it. It's called The Keto Kitchen. The link is below. That's if Facebook is your thing. Yes. And... If you feel like supporting um, our forum and the podcasts that we produce, please think about making a monthly pledge on the Two Keto Dudes Patreon page at patreon.2keto.com. Yes, and thank you if you've already pledged. And you can also see all of our podcasts and other videos on YouTube at youtube.2keto.com. And if you haven't already, please go and leave a review on Apple Podcasts because that's how new people get to know what we do. And given that it's January, there's a lot of new people who are eager to find out all the goodness that keto brings. Exactly. Two Keto Dudes is brought to you by Two Keto LLC, who strives to support the low-carb community with podcasts and other publications. Carrie, keep calm and keto on. Yes, keep calm and keto on. And we'll see you next time on Two, Two Keto, Keto Dudes. Dudes.